Auntie and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Up Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on the ESPN app. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Matt Jones. We are filling in for the guys today. Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports, at KY Sports Radio. You can also give us a call. Join the conversation on the CC call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So we are through, Matt. One week of preseason action. It feels a little bit like the NFL is here, right? Maybe not entirely. Are you one of these people that will watch every single moment of a preseason game and just absorb it all? No, I struggle to watch any moments of any preseason game. It's hard for me. It's the same issue I have with the live tour, which is it's hard for me to watch sports where I don't feel like the people playing or playing to win. Now, with that said, oddly, Amber, I like the second half of preseason games better than the first half. Because in the first half, like, I know Patrick Mahomes doesn't care. I do know that in the second half, though, those dudes are playing for jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I actually do enjoy, oddly, the second half because I hear names and I go, hey, I remember when that guy played at Texas A&M. Wonder if he'll make the team. I especially like watching the hard knocks team, in this case the Lions, because I've learned who these people are and I'm rooting for them. But besides that, I can't watch sports where I don't feel like the people playing are trying to win, and that makes it hard for me. We see snippets of starters, but really the entire preseason has kind of become an audition. And that component of it I don't hate because, like you said, those are the dudes that are out there trying the hardest, the guys who are trying to make the 53. But on Saturday night, when the Broncos beat the Cowboys 17-7, to the Cowboys sat 20 starters. So you didn't get many starters on Dallas's side of the ball. However, there's still a lot of controversy over what the Dallas Cowboys did, even though the majority of their starters weren't involved in this game at all. Because apparently, Matt, it doesn't matter if the Cowboys are playing a first or second team. They still have massive penalty problems, no matter who is out there. The Cowboys were penalized nine times in the first half for 65 yards. This after leading the NFL with 127 penalties Last season, that's almost eight penalties per game last season for the Dallas Cowboys. And they showed signs that they are still very undisciplined. And obviously, this is going to be a talking point because we know anything surrounding Mike McCarthy is going to be a talking point all season long. Seems like his seat is hot. And now to have a whopping 17 penalties for 129 yards, which is what they did against the Denver Broncos preseason opener or not, Matt, a lot of people are making a big deal out of this. I understand that. I mean, there. I think with penalties, you know, there's two schools of thought with penalties. Their school of thought one is there's some randomness to it, like how many times do you get caught holding and that type of thing. But then there's also when you see a pattern, and the Cowboys have it, and when you see, like you said, 20 starters set out. So do I think that this – that these penalties say a lot about this Cowboys team, maybe not, but they do say a lot about the culture, I think, because if last year you were the most penalized team with your first team guys, now you're playing second team guys and camp guys and you're the most penalized again, at some point, I think it does say that there's something about the culture of that team, that coaching staff, something that is causing them not to do these fundamental things. Now, what is it? I don't really know, but you know, Michael Irvin, 
you know, I like Michael Irvin because Michael Irvin's entertaining, but I have to tell you, he said one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And I want to play it for you, Amber, just because I want you to, I want to see if you think this is as ridiculous as I do. Because I, I don't like to call people ridiculous. I like to say all opinions are nice, but I'm not sure I can say it about Michael Irvin's. Go ahead. He was on first take. Here's what he said. This is not like turnovers. Turnovers declare wins and losses. You can still win. With all of these penalties, the Dallas Cowboys still had the number one offense in the National Football League, the number one scoring offense in the National Football League. What you should be saying, if the Dallas Cowboys clean up these penalties, they may be chasing the Miami Dolphins. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. The Miami Dolphins' perfect season is, I think, what Michael Irving was alluding to well, I mean, there, right? They're as good Not as the Miami, Miami Dolphins, Dolphins this year. year. Well, I, listen, I, Miami Dolphins this year, the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> might have a chance at chasing them. If we're talking about the 72 Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys do not have a chance. I understand the Cowboys have some advantages this season, like Dak Prescott's full you know, off-season here and, and preseason with the team. And is this going to be the healthiest season he's ever had as we enter into the season, blah, 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 yada, yada. This all is going to come down to the coaching. And there's a lot of questions about the coaching and a lot of questions about clock management and a lot of questions about how disciplined that team is. Typically, Matt, for any other team, I wouldn't actually think it's that big of a deal if they're highly penalized and penalized penalized in preseason game one because like I said the entire preseason at this point has basically turned into an audition in the NFL so they set so many start I don't care if the guys on the third in practice squad you know those caliber of players are going to end up a bit undisciplined that's also why they're there that's why they're second and third team guys as opposed to first team guys but when you couple those penalties from those guys with the first team guys throughout all of last season then it actually does seem like maybe we have a bit of a cultural problem here under Mike McCarthy I just want to go back I I agree with you but I do want to go back to Michael Irvin because I there are certain fan bases that I feel like maybe collectively hang out with Aaron Rodgers in Peru before they actually like come back for the season because of things they talk about. Tennessee football in college is one of them. Indiana basketball in college. And I'm like starting to think the Cowboys are like that because they haven't won a playoff game since when? Like how long has it been? It's been an insane amount of time. I don't know, 20 years, whatever. And yeah, they can't just say we might be good this year. They have to say, like, we could be an historical offense. How about you beat Jimmy G before you are a historical anything, right? Like, I mean, I don't understand why the Cowboys fans, I get they're America's team, I get the ratings, but why are they so delusional? What is it that makes them not just say we might be good? They have to say we'll be historic. That's the part that drives me crazy because I used to be a Cowboys fan. Man, I used to love Michael Irvin. But I listen to him say that. I know some of that show. I get it. But even that, like, you still have to be in the realm of rationality. I don't even think they're going to win the division, Amber. I think the Eagles are going to win the division. So it is very frustrating, like, Arguing with a Cowboys fan is like arguing with a six-year-old about what food they should have for dinner because they're not going to pick anything rational. They just want chicken fingers and mac and cheese. And the Cowboys are basically the chicken fingers and mac and cheese of making arguments. I have a hard time getting too worked up about preseason game one, even if it is the Dallas Cowboys. But you're right. Dallas Cowboys fans fans and Michael Irving are going to get worked up. But that's their thing, right? That's their shtick. They're America's team. I don't even know why or when we decided that, but we did. And we still say it, even if it's not true. Uh, It's it's great Cowboys propaganda. However, the Cowboys do rate. They do. They do bring in the eyeballs. People do care about the Dallas Cowboys. There is something 
in terms of extra pressure on Dak because he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys as opposed to any of the other 31. So there is something to it, I guess. And in that respect, it's harder to be a head coach of the Dallas Cowboys than maybe other franchises, maybe because it's the Cowboys, also maybe because of Jerry Jones, and also because you're living under a microscope. And that's definitely what Mike McCarthy is doing right now. So even though typically I wouldn't have a big problem with the Cowboys looking like an absolute mess, I mean, in that first half, they allowed Josh Johnson to complete 16 of 23 passes for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Josh Johnson was able to do that against the Dallas Cowboys. I was impressed he's still in the league. I didn't realize that. And I love the graphic of how many teams he's played for. He has to have a record. He's played for like 18 different teams or something. He Actually, he deserves an award. Anybody who can be in that many different places and people still want you deserves a lot of credit. The ultimate journeyman in the NFL. When you rest 20 starters, I I can't freak out about it. I can't freak out about preseason game one. But I do understand why the scrutiny is raised from this loss, just the way that it went down with all of those penalties for the Dallas Cowboys. Coming up next, this is Canteen Carlin, Amber Wilson, and Matt Jones filling in for the guys today. Uh, That's not the only concern from week one of the preseason, though. We're going to play a little game coming up next. Big deal or not a big deal? That is after I tell you about this word from Indeed. If you're having a hard time hiring in no time, you need Indeed, the number one source for hires in the U.S., according to Talent Nest. Sponsor a job, and Indeed will help you attract, interview, and hire candidates fast. With Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from one place. Visit Indeed.com slash credit to get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions may apply. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys on Canteen Carlin and the Cowboys woes in preseason game one got us thinking who else had a rough preseason game one and what does it all mean? And there's some good as well coming out of this past week in the NFL. Let's play a game. Big deal. Not a big deal for that. We bring in our producer, Evan Wilner. What's up, Evan? Yeah. All right. Let's start with the good. I'm a positive guy. Jalen Hurts, 6 of 6, 80 yards, a touchdown, led a really nice drive for the Eagles. Is that a big deal or not a big deal, Matt? I think it's a big deal. I mean, look, he's 6 for 6. That's good. It's one drive. I don't think it's huge. But if you're going to think anything's a big deal, then I think you got to think when a guy goes perfect in a drive with a new offense and with some new receivers that that's positive. I like seeing him comfortable. I thought at times last year he didn't look comfortable. That's what I wanted to see. So, yeah, for me, Jalen Hurts, good performance, big deal. It's a huge deal. Nobody questioned Jalen Hurts in terms of his rushing ability last season. We all questioned, is he a good enough passer? Because he finished the season with 22nd in passer rating, 26th in completion percentage last season. The Eagles gave him this year another year, a prove-it year. We know it's a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. He's got the weapons. He's got arguably the best O-line in the NFL. He's set up for success, and he had some success in preseason game one. Still preseason, but yeah, I think it's a big deal. All right, let's go to another young quarterback, Trey Lance. 11 snaps, 4-5, 92 yards, including a 76-yard touchdown pass to Danny Gray, who I'm going to overdraft in fantasy. Just letting you know, this is the fantasy football marathon. All right, Trey Lance. Big deal, not a big deal, Amber. Yeah, it's a big deal because apparently Trey Lance can play football. I wasn't even sure about that. I only saw him attempt, what, 318 total passes at North Dakota State, 71 passes last season. He completed. He has played very little 
football in both college and in the NFL, and yet they were willing to turn over the franchise to him and get rid of a guy who's taken them to a Super Bowl before. I think it's a big deal for San Francisco fans that he looks competent thus far. Not a huge deal for me. I'm gonna. I mean, I, I'm gonna go. Not a big deal. Only because I think what people really liked was that one throw. And I don't think the issue for Trey Lance has ever been can he make a throw like that. It's like does he have enough game reps, etc. I, I think that the, the jury's going to be out on him until he plays a couple games. It's a, such a huge risk to get rid of Jimmy G for him. But that I watched. I watched that entire drive. It was really what people like is the one throw. And, uh, and while it was a great throw, a lot of it was the run after the catch. So I'm going to say not a big deal. I'd like to see him for longer before I'm really, really excited. Well, you mentioned Jimmy G. i got to read this from Peter King's Football Morning in America column today. Jimmy G works out, throws, and rehabs apart from his teammates, most often when they're inside in meetings. When the other 89 men on the 49ers roster are practicing outside, Garoppolo's usually inside. Is this a big deal or not a big deal, Matt? Well, it's a big deal. It just confirms he's never going to play there again. I mean, I you know, I don't totally understand the have the guy around, but don't do it. Just let him stay home if you want. I don't even. It seems like an odd decision. I still don't understand why they're not why they're not keeping him. I mean, I get it if you're going to trade him, trade him. But like, he's still an option. What if Trey Lance gets hurt in practice? Don't you want to have that guy? I do not understand the desire to just treat Jimmy G like a leper. I mean, he might be an option you need, so I don't get it, but it is a big deal. I don't think this is a big deal at all because I I don't think that you can have Jimmy Garoppolo around that team because of the success that he had with that team. If you are committed to turning this over to Trey Lance, then you need to let Trey Lance do his thing, and you really need to let that team move forward with Trey Lance. And I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo's presence is always going to mess that up. And and if they did keep him, because Matt's right, like there is this po- possibility. What happens if Trey Lance goes down? Are they going to be like, oh man, maybe we should have paid Jimmy Garoppolo the twenty seven million? cap hit against us if he's on our roster week one, except for the fact that I think it would be prohibitive to have him around the franchise at all because it would be too tempting if Trey Lance falters at all. It would be too tempting for the coaching staff to want to go back to Garoppolo. And you need to stick with your plan moving forward if you genuinely believe that Trey Lance is your future. They're going to cut him or trade him. He's not going to be there. But I don't think it's a big deal that he's not physically there often. He's just trying to keep... I guess he's still there around the team facility because... He's still kind of trying to keep himself in shape and continue to rehab while he's coming back from that shoulder injury. He doesn't even have a playbook. Like, clearly they know they have to cut him and that it might sign with Seattle, and they don't want him to know anything about what's going on in San Francisco. Like, this feels like gamesmanship more than anything. I agree with Amber, by the way, and everything she said about you don't want to, like, go back to him. But I just keep going back to until you let him go, he might get hurt. Like, like Trey Lance might get hurt. I, I, I don't understand how they don't want him for an option. Because if Trey Lance gets hurt, you have the best backup in the entire NFL in your building, and you're just going to give him away. And if Trey Lance gets hurt, your season's over. I just don't get it. Speaking of backups, 49ers backup Jordan Love threw three interceptions in the loss to the 49ers in that preseason game. But Coach Matt LaFleur was pleased with the performance, said, quote, I think two of those you can totally take off him. So, big deal or not a big deal, Amber, that Jordan Love had three interceptions? Yeah, this isn't a big deal to me at all. I mean, Jordan Love really doesn't get his opportunities, and he may never get his opportunity in Green Bay because 
Aaron Rodgers extended his deal, uh, and it's probably going to see the end of Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay right around the time that Jordan that that Jordan Love would need an opportunity to show what he's got in order to get a second contract coming off that rookie deal. So he may never really get that opportunity. It's kind of a bad situation potentially then for Jordan Love. If he's only getting these very limited opportunities in these preseason games, it's a tall ask for him to go out there and be able to do much of anything. I think it's a big deal because he's not going to play. And Amber's right. He needs a contract. And so far we've seen him fill in and be awful when he filled in. And now you come out. I watched that. I mean, you asked if I watched these. I try not to. But that game was on as I was trying to fall asleep. And he was terrible. Like, he was terrible. I mean, you can say those two interceptions weren't on him. But it wasn't like the throw was great. I mean, he was terrible the entire time. And so you sit there and you go, this kid's not gotten a chance, maybe for good reason. And I think it is a big deal. I mean, the thing is, that might be the last the, – these preseason games might be the last view we get of this guy until he becomes a free agent. And I think that view is going to be, why would we sign him? So I actually think he needs at least one good preseason game. He has no good NFL tape at all, and he needs it at some point. All right, here we go. Deshaun Watson completed one of five passes, seven yards in the first quarter in his first action in more than a year for the Browns on Friday night. Matt, big deal or not a big deal to Sean Not Watson. a big deal. Not a big deal that he went one of five for seven yards because he hasn't played. But I do think it was a big deal the reaction he got in that game in terms of what the Jacksonville crowd sort of chanted at him. It was a sense of what it's going to be like for him when he finally plays. It's going to be three months before he sees the field at best, so I don't think this one performance is going to matter. But what it symbolizes of how it's going to be having him on the team, I actually do think is a big deal. So not a big deal what his stats were, big deal the rest of them. I actually think it's a big deal because I, I kept saying, are we sure that he's not going to miss a beat after taking all this time off just from a football perspective? But also add to that, are we sure that the scrutiny and the boos aren't going to get to him at any point? And and it seems like maybe it could have been a little bit of both making an appearance in preseason game one. I mean, because all the reports out of training camp is that are that he's looked phenomenal. So how do you then uh, consider the fact that he looked awful in a preseason game if he looks phenomenal in training camp? Like, where's the rust? The rust only makes an appearance in game time? Or is it that the crowd actually bothers him and that... This whole spectacle around him is going to bother him. And what is that going to mean moving forward with Deshaun Watson? So I don't know. I kind of thought it was a bigger deal. I mean, it didn't seem like a big deal to me initially until then Josh Rosen and Josh Dobbs went out there and played pretty well. And it's like, all right, well, it's not Stefanski's system. There's not a problem here. It's just truly Deshaun looking awful. And that's probably a concern to a Browns ownership group that paid him 230 guaranteed million dollars. It it certainly could be. I just, we'll see what ends up happening with them. I do not think, however, anybody's going to remember this as you go. Kevin Stefanski, he is the Browns head coach. He spoke on his presser post game about how Deshaun Watson played. Yeah, I think he probably wants some throws back. Uh, Obviously, playing football for the first time in a while, I thought it was important for him to get out there with his teammates in this scheme uh, just hearing a different voice in the helmet those type of things so I'm sure he had the butterflies and and the jitters uh, early Um, but I think he's uh, he understands there's work to do 
So I don't think Kevin Stefanski thinks it's a very big deal, but he did mention that there's some butterflies and jitters for Deshaun Watson to work through. We will find out if he even gets an opportunity to work through those jitters because we're still waiting word what is going to end up being the ultimate suspension here coming off of NFL's appeal of the Deshaun Watson suspension. Coming up next here on Canteen Carlin, we mentioned Danny Gray and his big touchdown from Trey Lance. Who else should you keep your eye on heading into fantasy drafts? We turn our attention to fantasy football. It is that time of year, people. That is next. This is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys, hanging out with you. You can always tweet to Matt at KY Sports Radio. You can tweet to me at Amber W Sports. So today is the start of the fantasy football marathon, a special four hour fantasy football marathon tonight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. So we've got to get you in the fantasy mindset for that. We bring in our friend Field Yates, host of Fantasy Football Focus Now. Field, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with just a layup for you. Who is the consensus number one overall pick this year in fantasy? Yeah, so I would say that consensus is going to end up being Jonathan Taylor, the Colts running back, but you can make a reasonable case for other players. But let's just go with the Jonathan Taylor case because I believe it's the most straightforward Amber. He led the NFL in rushes, in rushing yards, in rushing touchdowns, in rushes of at least 20 yards last season. He also had 40 catches. He was a factor in the passing game as well. And if you look at the other players who are in contention for that number one overall pick, they come with more risk. Guys like Christian McCaffrey, who's been limited to just 10 games over the past two seasons, or maybe even Derrick Henry, who is coming off of a foot injury that he did return from during the playoff game last year for the Titans. But you never know how much of a long-term impact a foot injury could have on a gargantuan 28-year-old running back. Austin Eckler had only 204 rushing attempts last year. He's incredible, but 204 rushing attempts, that's like an eight- or nine-game stretch for Jonathan Taylor. So there are reasonable cases for other guys. I do believe, though, most people who have the first pick will end up taking JT. 
To be honest with you, Field, I don't really care your opinion on this. I want to hear your kids there in yeah, the background. Yeah, those baby coos are I think, just making I think my heart they out. actually really have the info that I desire, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what? I was sitting here thinking to myself, I can get by one interview with my daughter in my arms, and she would not make enough noise to disrupt the interview. And here we are again. Oh, it's not disrupting. It, I consider it an addition. I consider it like okay, a reminder. I, I consider it a reminder that we're all humans here, and even now in fantasy football, even fantasy football, the the sort of you know dorky people that play it, we're all human together. And so I'm not one of those people. And I would like to. I'm playing this year field, and I've never. I mean, I haven't played in years. Okay, so I need yeah. your help. Tell me what to okay, do. I got your advice the, for you. Tell me what to do with dudes that are injured. So, like, I sit there and go, hey, I like Derrick Henry. I like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. But then I also know those guys get hurt. So, if I'm sitting there and they're on my board as the number one guy, how long? How much do I, like, you know, put them down a notch because they're often injured? So, I think you have to approach the first round of your draft one of two ways. You have to look at it like this. Here, here are the two options. One is – Screw up my first round pick. I won't be able to live with myself because I know better, right? You can bypass Christian McCaffrey and take somebody who's a lesser player on average, but you think he's going to be more available. Maybe that's Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings as an example, who has never played a full 16 or now 17 game season, but in recent years has been more available than Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it's a wide receiver, even though it's a less valuable spot in fantasy than running back. Still, guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are incredible, incredible players. They will bring you value. That's one way, is basically, what do I need to avoid heartbreak-wise? The other way is to say, you know what? Go big or go home. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey might only play nine games this year, but if I get him at the fourth pick, and he plays 15, 16, or 17 games this year, Matt, he will be the best player in fantasy football. I'm just telling you, if you look at the way he has performed over the past four seasons, and most importantly, the way that he is utilized, because in ESPN, our standard scoring is PPR, and that means that every time you catch the football, you get an extra point. Well, he's one of three guys ever with 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in the same season, and it's been a while since anybody else came close to it. So I think that Christian McCaffrey has the most upside. You have to just sort of plant your flag when you're going into the first round. Am I going for the what do I need to avoid or am I going for how do I hit the grand slam in the first round? And if you decide for the latter, I think Christian McCaffrey is a very strong target for you. Fantasy football expert and top shelf dad Field Yates joins us here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys. All right, Field, so let's talk wide receivers. Who do you think is going to be the first wide out coming off the board? It'll end up being Cooper Cup, and unless unless I'm playing with Matt, and it's going to be Wandale Robinson, or maybe <laughs> I would Cox take Wandale Robinson. Kentucky. Yes, you would or wouldn't? I would not first, but he's he is a sleeper. I would think this year, no doubt, he is a sleeper. That is correct. Uh, the first wide receiver will be one of three players: Cooper Cup, Jamar Jefferson, uh, excuse me, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I just combined those two former LSU stars uh, into one player right there. My guess is that Cooper Cup and our data up to this point, we call it average draft position, is showing that Cooper Cup is easily the number one wide receiver off the board. The case is pretty obvious, right? It's what he did this past year when he had at least seven targets in every single game. And we always say fantasy football is about two things, opportunity and ability. 
Cooper Cup, we know, is a star in terms of ability, and his opportunity last year was literally the most consistent for any player in the NFL, and Matthew Stafford's arm is not enough of an issue right now for me to be dissuaded from taking Cooper Cup first amongst wideouts. Jamar Jason, Justin Jefferson, also incredible talent. I have no issue with either one of them. I think sometimes in fantasy football, though, going back to that first-round conversation I was sort of bringing up a minute ago is that there's a bit of comfort in the known quantity versus the slightly less known quantity. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are on historic paces to begin their year, to begin their career, I should say. But neither of them has yet, and I use yet because this could change this season, done what Cooper Cup did last year. So if you take Cooper Cup and he has even 80% of what he was last year's season, he's still going to return value. But all three of them guys totally belong in the first round. I love each of them uh, as you know, potential candidates to be the highest scoring player at any position in fantasy football. So I, what little I know of fantasy, it always has seemed to me when I've played that the winner tends to be somebody who takes a guy who either because they are a rookie or because they didn't play a lot in the early years, just all of a sudden they get this huge point total from somewhere you didn't expect it would happen. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, where could that be? One person that strikes me as a possibility is Trey Lance because he's a mobile quarterback. And then there's usually a rookie running back or somebody that pops up that you get in a late round that's hugely successful. Do you agree with me on Trey Lance? And then who would be that rookie running back or second-year running back that would make that leap? I 100% agree with you with uh, on Trey Lance. Uh, and the thing about quarterbacks this year is that there are enough good ones that even if you take Trey Lance, and again, going off of his ADP, it's not until like round 10 or 11. If you screw up a 10th round pick, that's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme. It's when you screw up a first or second round pick that your roster may be doomed before the season even really begins or gets going in earnest. So with Trey Lance, the cost is really low. And then you multiply that by the fact that if Trey Lance does not play well, and I have reasons to believe that he actually will play well, we all do, not the least of which is he's a fantastic athlete and runner. But if he doesn't, in the whatever percent chance that he does not play really well, you can find another quarterback. There are more than 10 or 12 good quarterbacks in fantasy this year. Whereas if you screw up your running backs, it's going to be hard to find a bunch of options on the waiver wire. There are going to be quarterbacks that are going to be scoring 18, 19, 20 fantasy points a game this year and be outside the top 10 in our rankings every single week. It's so deep, so uh, interchangeable in some ways once you get past that top couple players that I think Trey Lance absolutely is a worthwhile investment based off where he's going. And then I think your point is correct and that you find a guy who's maybe being a little bit overlooked, whether because he's a rookie or because he hasn't yet had a great opportunity. I think one of the other realities in fantasy football is while it's great when you can strike it rich with James Robinson two years ago, who became the Jaguar starter and held the job all season at running back, what also is the case is that sometimes, especially at running back, you're tapping into the guy who gets a pocket of games during the season where he's the starter and he has a massive fantasy role. So one name that comes to mind for me as an example is Ramondre Stevenson from the Patriots, who super talented guy. They have Damian Harris. They have long preferred a running back by committee. But if something happens to Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevens is going to be a top 15 running back for however many weeks that Damian Harris is not available. So he's the kind of guy that might have value on his own, 
but certainly would have massive value in a um, particular set of circumstances. There's an example of a guy that I think might be a little bit undervalued right now in drafts. All this fantasy talk didn't put your daughter to sleep, Field. This is proof that it is wildly interesting, and that it is fantasy football well, season. That's right. It's right. And uh, trust, there's a lot of other stuff that I do that bores her. But uh, fantasy <laughs> football, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, today's the start of the Fantasy Football Marathon, a special four-hour fantasy football now, tonight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And as a reminder, throughout the marathon, we will be building up to our finale show. That is tomorrow night, Tuesday, Fantasy Football Draft from 7 to 10 p.m. on ESPN. Thanks, Field. Guys, thank you for indulging not just me, but also my daughter. And uh, go Cats, Matt. I know it's been an interesting week down there, but... Peace is going to be is going to prevail between Cal and Stoop. Just give it a couple more days. It's as if you read the tease for the next segment, because Amber, we're talking cats right after this. We are. That is next. This is Canty and Carlin. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So I took a weekend off, well, a Saturday off for like the first time in forever, Matt Jones, because I have been working, I mean, pretty much around the clock nonstop for, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't had a day off from radio and, and goodness knows how long. So Saturday night, I'm like, okay, I'm taking Saturday off because I normally do a show Saturdays like you normally do, right? On Saturdays or use your show? Yeah, well, I have. I'm now going back to Sunday, my regular home. Okay. All right. So we're, so my regular home right now is Saturday. I'm also moving to Sundays once football starts. Well, Saturday and Sunday, actually. But anyways, I digress. So Saturday has been my home for a while. So I take off a Saturday, the rare occurrence, because it is the Dolphins-Bucks game, a preseason game. And I live now in roughly the Tampa Bay area. I live in Sarasota, and I'm a big Dolphins fan because I lived in South Florida for 20 years. And so I wanted to go to this game. My son has never been to a football game. He discovered hockey because we took him to some lightning games during the Stanley Cup playoffs. The problem with us starting with hockey is we happen to start with the sport that we know the least about, me and my husband, because I am a Floridian through and through. I did not grow up watching hockey. And so I love going to lightning games. I just frankly don't know a ton about hockey. And I obviously know a ton about everything else. And I love football. So I'm like, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to take him to the first Bucks preseason game. I can. This is perfect. They're playing my Dolphins. I'm going to get him off this hockey kick. Because if he starts asking me too many questions about hockey, I am, uh, you know, I am up against it. He can ask me football questions. He's only three. So I feel like the questions should be pretty basic. 
We drive all the way up to Tampa. It's a whole thing. We're there for one quarter. My son's terrified of the pirate ship because, you know, at in the Bucks games, they have the pirate ship. They set off the bombs for mm-hmm. everything. Every time something good happens with the Bucks and it makes a loud boom. And my son ends up terrified and ends up making us leave. The football game. Oh, you left the game. That's nice. You left the game after like a quarter. So yeah. my attempt to make my son a football fan, I'm pretty sure it's dramatically backfired. And then every time I ask him if he had fun at the football game, he proceeds to tell me no and talk about the lightning. Yeah, that was a bad decision. I had the same thing happen when I was a kid about Star Wars because my mom took me, I think, to Empire Strikes Back. And the very first scene is like the uh, Darth Vader coming out mm-hmm. and it's like, and, and like being, and I apparently screamed so loud my parents had to leave the movie and i didn't watch star wars for 20 years because of that so i think you're going to get the same result for football your kids darth vader is tom brady that is a nightmare if that ends up being true uh star wars by the way little overrated i don't know what my mentions are going to look like after i said that but i'm sorry overrated you're listening to Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys today. You can give us a call. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So there is a story that has been making waves out of Matt Jones's neck of the woods. Right. So I definitely want to get an opportunity to get into this story with Matt. Uh, John Calipari, he created quite the stir within the athletics department and beyond when he said that he believes he deserves a new practice facility because Kentucky is a basketball school first. Obviously, that comment did not sit well with Mark Stoops, the football coach. So let's get into how this began. Here was John Calipari. Here was the original comments that started this whole thing, Kentucky's head basketball coach. This is a basketball school. It's always been there. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. I mean, they are. Right. This is a bad – don't dis- – our football team – I hope they win games and 10 games and go to bowls. At the end of the day, that makes my job easier, and it makes the job of all of us easier. But this is a basketball school. Mark Stoops, Kentucky's head football coach, was not happy. Here was his response. I don't care what anybody says about their program. That's not my business. That's not my lane. But when you start talking about my program and and others that we compete against, I mean, me, I, I, I don't do that. I stay in my lane. And, uh, you know, so that's in defense of my players, the defense of the work that we've done. And believe me, we want to continue to push. But don't uh, demean or distract from the hard work and the dedication and the commitment that people have done to get to this point. And it's Matt, worth noting, Amber. It's worth noting, Amber, that he said that because. He had tweeted out right after Cal's comments, uh, ba- f- basketball school question mark, thought we were in the SEC, hashtag four straight postseason wins. Of course, a reference to the fact that Kentucky lost to St. Peter's last year in basketball. Here's the thing. Everything John Calipari said is correct. This is a basketball school at Kentucky. You just can't say that. Like, you can't say that. You cannot say that something is a basketball school when, and in the process go, yeah, it's nice you won games football, but come on, it's still a basketball school. That's where he screwed up. But here's what's interesting to me. Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, in order to defend the football program, 
He said something that I think is the biggest story of all of it that not enough people have talked about. Here was his comment. They don't have to fear the administration. The administration's been right here the whole time, and we got a president that's been right here the whole time. It ain't changing. And they've been provided every opportunity to do the very things that they want to do to be successful. That isn't changing as long as I'm in the chair. We will have that support. And if that's not good enough, you know, coaches change a lot in today's world. They do. I can't believe he said that, Amber. He basically looked at John Calipari and said, Mm -hmm. you got every chance to win, and if you don't like it, we can get another coach. I cannot believe he said that to the U.K. basketball coach. And to me, that's going to be the legacy of this, is Calipari versus his athletic director. Well, from the AD's perspective, you want every sport to be as good as possible, right? I mean, you don't want your school to just be a basketball school but how do you if you're the Cal- head of the athletic department. You want to benefit from you look from at Calipari, though, and say, if you don't like it, get out? I mean, okay. that's an, I, mean I, I couldn't believe he said that. Uh, He did say that he has that level of power, but uh, it is pretty remarkable thing to hear him actually say. More Canty and Carlin coming up next.